0: offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the Word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host full-blooded Apache Indian. Born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth, Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar play it all around rodeo cowboy.
2: I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book.
0: With more degrees than a thermometer, the book, and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Sophie Deller.
2: All right. We're going to continue our way through the books of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. These two letters out of four that were preserved that Paul wrote to the believers, this young church, this baby congregation that had been raised up there in Corinth. I want to reiterate and emphasize the fact that the Bible is not a magic book. Now, don't get me wrong. It's true. It is reliable, passed to us in total accuracy from the original drafts. And God has been involved in that. Supernaturally, he has caused these letters, these words to be written from the Apostle Paul to these people at Corinth. And God has preserved them for our edification, for us to know more about him, about ourselves, about human experience and and what we are as human beings and his plan of redemption and how to live as God's people here in this world. Now, all of that is there, but it's not a magic book. It's still a letter that Paul wrote to this group of believers there in Corinth. He was over in Ephesus, just across the Sea. If you could see on the map, you'd see what I mean. This letter was delivered to the people at Corinth, and then it was passed around and read to different congregations. Just as you're going to hear it tonight, you're going to be experiencing the Bible like they experienced it. The point I'm trying to get to is that this is real. It's real life and real people and a real culture and a real society and a real city, real problems. And he speaks to them in the reality of that situation, offering to them this is the way that the spiritual truths about man and about God would come to bear on your living as a community together. And those principles are what we want to glean. Let's go first, though, to our wisdom and worship segment tonight. We're going to be reading in the Proverbs, Proverbs on the Bible 20. life. 1 through 16. Wine produces mockers. Liquor leads to brawl. Whoever is led astray by drink cannot be wise. The king's fury is like a lion's roar. To rouse his anger is to risk your life. Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. If you are too lazy to plow in the right season, you will have no food at the harvest. Though good advice lies deep within a person's heart, The wise will draw it out. Many will say they are loyal friends, but who can find one who is really faithful? The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children after them. When a king judges, he carefully weighs all the evidence, distinguishing the bad from the good. Who can say, I have cleansed my heart? I am pure and free from sin. The Lord despises double standards of every kind. Even children are known by the way they act, whether their conduct is pure and right. Ears to hear and eyes to see, both are gifts from the Lord. If you love sleep, you will end in poverty. Keep your eyes open, and there will be plenty to eat. The buyer haggles over the price, saying, It's worthless, then brags about getting a bargain. Wise speech is rarer and more valuable than gold and rubies. Be sure to get collateral from anyone who guarantees the debt of a stranger. Get a deposit if someone guarantees the debt of a foreigner. End of reading Proverbs 20, 1 through 16.
1: My Jesus, my Savior, Oh, there is none like you. This is The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All of my grace,
2: beautiful, powerful song of praise and worship to our great God, to his Messiah, to our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Well, let's go now to our reading in the book of 1 Corinthians. We're going to read from chapter 9 well into chapter 12, just a few verses before the beautiful chapter 13, the love chapter of the Bible. We've been talking about all these very practical problems in the church in Corinth. It's a very mixed up, chaotic, crazy, real world. The Bible describes the world as it is, not as some ideal place where believers live in this vacuum and everything is sunshine and light. We live in a world where good and evil coexist, where the great majority of human beings do not acknowledge God, worship God, love God, seek God, and seek His righteousness and His holiness. So there is a huge culture battle going on, I don't care what culture you're in. I've had the privilege of traveling and living in many world cultures. We in America have been tremendously blessed by living in a country where the gospel has been prevalent and has had a powerful influence on the formation of our societal institutions and on the mindset that we have. Much of our American mindset is biblically based. Even people who reject God because of the way our country was formed, In some ways, they live and benefit from biblical values that are sewn into the fabric of our society, our institutions, our practices, even into our language. But that doesn't mean you can't throw it away. We've seen that already in the people of Israel many times. If we insist on godlessness, immorality, lying and corruption at political levels and stealing, even politically, stealing through the means of politics, if we insist on doing that, we will kill the golden goose. Paul is laying out some of those principles of freedom for us tonight. Freedom. It's not just the freedom to do what you want. It's the freedom and the power to do what is right in the eyes of God. The Bible Life. 1 Corinthians 9.19-12.26 1 Corinthians 9 This means I am not bound to obey people just because they pay me. Yet I have become a servant of everyone so that I can bring them to Christ. When I am with the Jews, I become one of them so that I can bring them to Christ. When I am with those who follow the Jewish laws, I do the same, even though I am not subject to the law, so that I can bring them to Christ. When I am with the Gentiles who do not have the Jewish law, I fit in with them as much as I can. In this way, I gain their confidence and bring them to Christ. But I do not discard the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. When I am with those who are oppressed, I share their oppression so that I might bring them to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone so that I might bring them to Christ. I do all this to spread the good news, and in doing so, I enjoy its blessings. Remember that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. You also must run in such a way that you will win. All athletes practice strict self-control. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. I am not like a boxer who misses his punches. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. 1 Corinthians 10 I don't want you to forget, dear brothers and sisters, what happened to our ancestors in the wilderness long ago. God guided all of them by sending a cloud that moved along ahead of them, and he brought them all safely through the waters of the sea on dry ground. As followers of Moses, they were all baptized in the cloud and the sea, and all of them ate the same miraculous food, and all of them drank the same miraculous water, for they all drank from the miraculous rock that traveled with them, and that rock was Christ. Yet after all this, God was not pleased with most of them, and he destroyed them in the wilderness. These events happened as a warning to us, so that we would not crave evil things as they did, or worship idols as some of them did. For the scriptures say the people celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged themselves in pagan revelry. And we must not engage in sexual immorality as some of them did, causing 23,000 of them to die in one day. Nor should we put Christ to the test, as some of them did and then died from snakebites. And don't grumble as some of them did, for that is why God sent His angel of death to destroy them. All these events happened to them as examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the time when this age is drawing to a close. If you think you are standing strong, be careful, for you too may fall into the same sin. But remember that the temptations that come into your life are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. When you are tempted, He will show you a way out so that you will not give in to it.
1: This is the Bible lie with Soapy Dollar.
2: So, my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. You are reasonable people. Decide for yourselves if what I am about to say is true. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, aren't we sharing in the benefits of the blood of Christ? And when we break the loaf of bread, aren't we sharing in the benefits of the body of Christ? And we all eat from one loaf, showing that we are one body. And think about the nation of Israel. All who eat the sacrifices are united by that act. What am I trying to say? Am I saying that the idols to whom the pagans bring sacrifices are real gods, and that these sacrifices are of some value? No, not at all. What I am saying is that these sacrifices are offered to demons, not to God. And I don't want any of you to be partners with demons. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons, too. You cannot eat at the Lord's table and at the table of demons, too. What? Do you dare rouse the Lord's jealousy as Israel did? Do you think we are stronger than He is? You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is helpful. You say, I am allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't think only of your own good. Think of other Christians and what is best for them. Here's what you should do. You may eat any meat that is sold in the marketplace. Don't ask whether or not it was offered to idols, and then your conscience won't be bothered. For the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If someone who isn't a Christian asks you home for dinner, go ahead, accept the invitation if you want to. Eat whatever is offered to you and don't ask any questions about it. Your conscience should not be bothered by this. But suppose someone warns you that this meat has been offered to an idol. Don't eat it out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, but it is for the other person. Now why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? Whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, you must do all for the glory of God. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. That is the plan I follow too. I try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what I like or what is best for me, but what is best for them so they may be saved. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. 1 Corinthians 11 And you should follow my example, just as I follow Christ's. I am so glad, dear friends, that you always keep me in your thoughts, and you are following the Christian teaching I passed on to you. But there is one thing I want you to know. A man is responsible to Christ. A woman is responsible to her husband. And Christ is responsible to God. A man dishonors Christ if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. But a woman dishonors her husband if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head. For this is the same as shaving her head. Yes, if she refuses to wear a head covering, she should cut off all her hair. And since it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut or her head shaved, then she should wear a covering. A man should not wear anything on his head when worshiping. For man is God's glory, made in God's own image, but woman is the glory of man. For the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. And man was not made for woman's benefit, but woman was made for man. So a woman should wear a covering on her head as a sign of authority, because the angels are watching. But in relationships among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, all men have been born from women ever since, and everything comes from God. Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And isn't it obvious that long hair is a woman's pride and joy? For it has been given to her as a covering. But if anyone wants to argue about this, all I can say is that we have no other custom than this. And all the churches of God feel the same way about it. But now, when I mention this next issue, I cannot praise you. For it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. First of all, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church. And to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that those of you who are right will be recognized. It's not the Lord's Supper you are concerned about when you come together. For I am told that some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Is this really true? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace the church of God and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say about these things? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly do not. For this is what the Lord himself said, and I pass it on to you just as I received it. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and you, sealed by the shedding of my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So if anyone eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily, that person is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking from the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup unworthily, not honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some have even died. But if we examine ourselves, we will not be examined by God and judged in this way. But when we are judged and disciplined by the Lord, we will not be condemned with the world. So, dear brothers and sisters, when you gather for the Lord's Supper, wait for each other, If you are really hungry, eat at home so you won't bring judgment upon yourselves when you meet together. I'll give you instructions about the other matters after I arrive. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. 1 Corinthians 12 And now, dear brothers and sisters, I will write about the special abilities the Holy Spirit gives to each of us. For I must correct your misunderstandings about them. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know how to discern what is truly from God. No one speaking by the Spirit of God can curse Jesus. And no one is able to say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but it is the same Holy Spirit who is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service in the church, but it is the same Lord we are serving. There are different ways God works in our lives. But it is the same God who does the work through all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, He gives the gift of special knowledge. The Spirit gives special faith to another. And to someone else, He gives the power to heal the sick. He gives one person the power to perform miracles. And to another, the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to know whether it is really the Spirit of God or another spirit that is speaking. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, and another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up only one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into Christ's body by one spirit, and we have all received the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am only an ear and not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? Suppose the whole body were an eye, then how would you hear? Or if the whole body were just one big ear, how could you smell anything? But God made our bodies with many parts, and he has put each part just where he wants it. What a strange thing a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some of the parts that seem weakest and least important are really the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect from the eyes of others those parts that should not be seen, while other parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together in such a way that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other equally. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. End of reading, 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 12:26. This is The Bible Live. You're listening to 1 Corinthians chapters 9-12, through 12, some very rich passages with some very powerful thoughts and principles for us. Right there in chapter 9, Paul talked about being all things to all people. We've got to be careful, even as believers, not to carve out some kind of a Christian subculture that we belong to that isolates us from the people around us and causes us not to have credibility or a voice with them. We're called to walk in holy and purity of life, but these are traits of character, a commitment to the truth, loyalty to our friends, and loving our friends, and loving our families. Those are character traits. They aren't things that can be compromised. We shouldn't compromise our commitment to holiness, to purity, a pure and holy lifestyle. But at the same time, we don't have to institutionalize those and make them belong to only one group We can move among people of different races, of different cultures, political parties, of different socioeconomic standing. We can live those principles out before them and relate to them without falling into sin. I'm not talking about that, but we can maintain a relationship with them and not cut ourselves off from them. That's what Paul did. He said with those under the law, I lived under the law, I related to them in that way. Those gentiles and others who are outside the law, in other words they didn't have the cultural uh, social background of the 10 commandments and the old testament revelation, then I would meet them where they are. You saw some examples of that in the book of Acts, Paul dealing with the people in Athens for example in Acts 17. We can meet people where they are at the human level and share the glories and the beauties of the gospel of Jesus the Messiah. Besides that, though, he talks about the important of staying in the race, not giving up. In a world like Corinth, I'm sure many times they thought, oh, I'm just going to give up. We can't win this. The society is crushing. Today, we think of abortion. We think of the sexual corruption, immorality. It's found a root and somehow is using sometimes legal ends immorally to corrupt our society and corrupt a generation of people. And we think, oh, we just can't fight against it. We can't win. The whole system is set against us. You're tempted to be that way, but don't give up. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade, but we do it for an eternal prize. And so we're not going to give up. We're going to keep on standing, running, and disciplining our lives to live by faith, trusting in his power at work in and through us. I like chapter 10. There's a beautiful verse that a lot of people like to quote it. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. You're not alone. I had to counsel a young man this week who had been caught up in temptation and made a big mistake. But it's comforting to know you're not alone. We're not going to abandon you. We love you in the name of the Lord. You're not the first one to ever fall to this. We've all struggled. And so let's get our heads together. Let's get back trusting the Lord and move forward. And then it says, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will also show you a way out so that you can endure. And that's a powerful promise for us who are struggling against the wickedness of this age, of this culture, of this society, and these times in which we live. The same way it was a comfort to the people in Corinth because they were surrounded by an overwhelming wave of immorality and corruption and wickedness. Not only just morality, but worshiping pagan false gods, and in that context, using the religious sentiment even to move people toward wickedness. We can see that in our world as well. About women, Corinth is a place where women's role in worship was corrupted, particularly by the pagan temples. Paul was telling them on a practical sense, women, don't let your example of freedom in the churches be misunderstood by the culture looking at you. Be quiet so that you don't mix up the message of freedom in Christ. Beautiful truth here being spoken in the last chapter. So many things that we could talk about. Paul gives them instructions about public worship, about the order of worship, about maintaining an atmosphere of worship and not letting anything interfere with that, not bringing sexuality into the area of worship. This would be something that came out of the Jewish system of worship, but... There is equality. There is no male or female. There's no Jew or Gentile. We are one people in Christ, God's people. That is the overriding truth above all. But in terms of our functioning, we've used wisdom in the culture and societies that we live in so that we can be effective in our witness. In the name of Jesus to our culture. And then we talk about these spiritual gifts. We'll talk about it more next time on The Bible Live. The Bible
1: Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live. P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar.